Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. I love every Sunday morning at Fountain. Here's why. Is that every, every Sunday is a different Sunday. Where, man, the Lord might encourage you. He might bring a new friend into your life. Every Sunday is completely different. So that's our prayer. Whether you're here every week or if you're a first-time guest, is that, man, we want you to have a good experience. We want you to meet some friends. But more than anything else, we want you to move closer to God and closer to other people today. And so we're so excited that, that you're with us today. You guys ready to go? Hey, before, before we dive in, hey, I want to I wanna give honor where honor is due. You know, um, we give honor to God by honoring the leaders that God has given us. And so I just want to honor our pastors, Matt and Jackie. They are incredible leaders, incredible pastors, just incredible people. And I'm just, I'm just so grateful because, I mean, think about this. God could have given us any leaders on the planet, but he gave us pastors, Matt and Jackie. So we honor both the both of you. We love you guys so much, and we're grateful for your leadership. Guys, being a pastor right now is super hard. And the way that they carry is something that a lot of us just don't even know about, but they do it so faithfully. So we love our pastors so, so much. Hey, before we, hey, we're here for the message, but can I give you a little life update? Is that okay? You didn't really answer. Can I give you a life update? It's kind of funny when speakers do that because they, they, they do it anyways, you know, but I guess it's common courtesy to ask. I'd love you guys to know my beautiful, incredible wife is pregnant. And so, um... We asked you guys, do you guys think we're having a boy or a girl? You guys are wrong. We're having a girl, okay? A lot of you guys said a boy, and so super, super exciting. And um, it's awesome because our, uh, our beautiful five-year-old daughter, Sayla, she wanted a sister big time. So we're like, hey, like, would you be okay if you had a brother? No, I wouldn't be. Like, I'm not okay. I'm like, this is the problem. And so we got her to the point about two weeks ago, Lauren did, two weeks ago, that she's okay with having a brother. She won't throw a fit. She's good. And so when she found she had a sister, I mean, she's pumped out of her mind. But she said, hey, mom and dad, thank you so much for making my wishes come through. And I'm like, we didn't do it, but I mean, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. So, hey, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, pour it out. Look to your other neighbor and say, no, I mean it. Pour it out. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace, for your mercy. God, I, I sense your presence, God in our gathering, Lord. And I'm thankful, God, whether we're watching online, whether we're in a building, God, whether we are strategically placed in Pleasanton, God, on Stone Ridge in Santa Rita, Lord, your presence is with us. So God, speak to us this morning, Lord. God, we're not here to do church, God. We're not here for a program. God, we're here for your presence. So God, I pray for a fresh word, God. Lord, open hearts this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said? Amen and amen. Hey, so we completed 21 days of fasting and prayer about a couple weeks ago. And man, it was awesome. I, I, I love fasting and prayer because I know that it just, it just has a way where, maybe it's just me, but like when food's taken away, it gets me focused. You know what I'm saying? Like it just gets me dialed in. And so there was, pro- I think it was um, most fasts I do, the first week's brutal Week two, I, my body adjusts. Week three, you know, it, it's, it's all good. Week one, I actually felt pretty good. Week two, I was like, gosh, I'm dying right now. Like, I am struggling. And so my daughter and I that I, that I just mentioned, man, once a week, you know, um, we have at least one daddy-daughter ice cream date. 
And so, you know, we're fasting, so I, I, I want to honor that. And so uh, it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday night. And so I was like, Daddy, like, are we going to go for ice cream? You know, baby, Daddy's fasting right now. She's like, oh, that's, that's okay. You can still take me. I'm like, that's my girl. I wasn't even mad. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you for that. And it just got me thinking, you know, even, even that second and third week, there was moments where, gosh, like, I started getting stressed. There was times where I, I was just getting frustrated. It's like, I just, gosh, those things that, like, I just wanted to eat and just, just put in my belly, I couldn't. And I kind of just made this connection where I was like, gosh, you know, these things that, you know, we, we take for granted, whether it's food or social media or even friendships, they're great things, but when we don't put them in the right place, they can be misused. And sometimes it's so easy to focus on the bad things, but sometimes we can make the good things into God things. Where we can take good things, but we can misprioritize it, not have it be in order, and put a good thing where only God can be. Are you following me, church? And so I just started thinking where it's so easy in life to focus on the symptoms, but not really get down deep into what's really going on. Where for some of us, you know, we might be walking with maybe not a lot of offense, but just a little lightweight offense. We're walking around. We're a little upset. We're a little angry. But we don't actually go down the surface. Like, man, why is that really there? Like, is it maybe because there's some shame? Maybe it's there because I've been hurt. For some of us, you might be walking around with a low grade of just being frazzled and scattered. But that just becomes so normal because we've been walking that way. But maybe really, really deep down, God wants to deal with fear in your life. If we're not careful, we'll deal with the symptoms, but not actually get underneath the, symps, uh, the, the, the symptoms. And so that's so vital because God wants to deal with our hearts. God wants to go below the symptoms and actually get down to the root. Now, speaking of food, okay, I use a lot of food examples because I'm a foodie at heart, okay? This is how God's made me. But I want to I wanna bring us back to a thing called the cookie jar. Do you guys know what a cookie jar is? I hope you do, okay? Um, childhood are, are, are filled with great memories with the cookie jar, okay? So think of if I had an imaginary cookie jar right here, and you had your favorite cookies in there. Could be Chips Ahoy. Could be Oreo. We clearly know which one's better, okay? And so whatever your favorite cookie is, now, whether you're at a parent's house, whether you're at a guardian's house, there's, hey, Chris, you can have those cookies, but you got to wait until dinner, You've heard that before, right? You got to wait until dinner. Say, hey, I'm going to leave for just 30 minutes. Don't touch the cookies. What do you want to do? You don't just want to touch them. You want to put them in your mouth. You want to just suck that thing dry, right? That's what you want to do. Now, there's probably a couple people, okay, uh, in, in, in this situation where for some of you, there it's like, hey, rules are meant to be broken, Okay. There's got to be a way around this rule. Some of you are like, hey, I'm going to keep that rule as much as I can. But if I wasn't going to get in trouble, then I would have just, uh, I would do it. Now, I want to focus on that, okay? Because we can focus so much on the part about, I put my hand in the cookie jar to get those cookies. And I don't want to do that. Why? Because that is the wrong decision, and a lot of times when we think about Christianity, we think about good decisions and bad decisions. But a lot of times if we were to look underneath that symptom of making that bad decision, 
what would that be? It would be our desires, right? Is that what is going into that decision? Man, I desire that cookie. I desire to actually have that. But I would even say you have your decisions, you have your desire, but there's actually something underneath that desire. And I would want to use a word called nature. As in like, that's who you are. Meaning that the problem isn't that you just want to make a bad decision. It's not even the problem that, man, you want to, you actually have a desire to actually get in the cookie bar. But there's actually something in you that says, hey, even though I know that it's wrong, I still want to do it anyways. <laughs> you look at me like, I don't know if I want to talk about this today. This whole sin thing, it gets better, okay? But I love this quote by Andy Stanley where he says that, you know, in the Bible, we're not called mistakers. We're called sinners. I'll let that sink in for a moment. Mistakers are saying, hey, I accidentally put a cookie in my mouth. My parents told me not to do that. I get that as a dad now. That's ridiculous. What do you mean it just went into your mouth? That's like, you're telling me that, man, okay, we'll move on, right? But the Bible says we're not mistakers, but we're sinners, meaning that we knew the cookie was not good for us. We knew that we shouldn't have, but we did it and we enjoyed it. And we liked it, right? And so, and, and, and this is why we're talking about this, is that if we can't get into the nitty gritty, if we can't get into what's in our hearts, man, we're going to settle for God wanting, for us asking God to change our behavior, but God not actually transforming our hearts. I don't know about you, but I don't just want God to transform my decisions. I don't just want God to change my desires, but I want him to change me. And so the Bible, he calls this, our, our sinful nature. And here's the thing. If we do anything to try our sinful nature with ourselves, it just doesn't work. Check out Romans chapter 8, okay? Verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. That thing inside of you that just wants to do your own thing, that thing inside of you that wants to rebel and to um, follow your sinful nature, that can't be broken other than the power of Christ. And for those that are in Christ, it's that, hey, listen, there's no condemnation. Why? Because you belong in Christ. And the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin. That should make you leap with joy. That should just make you just so excited that, man— this sin nature in me, if you belong in Christ, God has changed that. But it goes on to say in verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about these things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life into peace. You're like, wait, I'm not a sinner. I am a sinner. I'm free from sin, but I got to watch out for sin. Which one is it? And the answer is yes. The answer is all of it. Here's the beautiful thing is that it's only by the Spirit of God that He's freed you from the power of sin. You didn't do that. You couldn't hope for that. You couldn't pull up your bootstraps, you know, strong enough to do that. Only the Spirit of God can do that. 
But once he frees you, now you got to learn how to walk it out. You never get to a point in your life where you don't have to trust Jesus. Trusting Christ isn't just an event. It's an ongoing daily adventure with him step by step. And so you never get to a point where you don't have to trust in Jesus. And so if we're going to understand how to walk in what it means to follow Christ, we have to understand, one, he has freed us from the power of sin, but now we've got to learn how to walk in it and be led by the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to talk to, uh, to us today about today is how do we pour ourselves out for God? Because a lot of times we want to pour ourselves out, but we don't feel like there's anything there. And like we're dealing with ourselves. You ever realize that <laughs> every bad decision you've made, you've been there for it? Wherever you go, there you are. I, I'm getting deep today. That, that even went over my head. What does that mean? And so <laughs> as, we, as we jump in the scriptures today, it's like, gosh, like how, how do I get myself out of the way? And a lot of times when we think about the success to our spiritual life, it somehow always goes towards us. And we got to fight against that. Because if ourselves are going to get us out of the pit, we're going to be in the pit for a very long time. There's only one God who could get us out of the pit. There's only one God that can encourage us. There's only one God that can not just change our behavior, but wants to change us. And so I want to dive into scriptures today of what that practically looks like, okay? So we're going to be in the book of Philippians today. You know, I, as I was preparing this week, I didn't have any idea that Pastor Matt had preached in Philippians, the verses right before that I did. I don't know how that worked, but it's pretty amazing how that worked out. So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. You can turn to your Bibles right now. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. And the context of this book is that Paul was writing to believers, and some of the themes from this book is joy, is unity. And it just doesn't make much sense because Paul's writing from a prison. And so much that he's writing from a prison because he's preaching the gospel. Yet this man is preaching from a place of joy. He's reminding the Philippians, rejoice. I tell you again, rejoice. Be grateful. As PMS said to us last week, guard your grumble. Paul's doing that. And so knowing that context, it just changes the game, okay? And so verse 1 says this. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make, my, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Do you know why Paul's saying that? Because they weren't working with one mind and one purpose. They weren't agreeing. There wasn't, there wasn't happiness between one another. So he's encouraging them, listen, spiritual unity isn't a, isn't a suggestion. It's a commandment. You don't get to choose if you want to be unified or not. You are unified. Is there encouragement in Christ? Is there comfort from his love? Are we fellowshiping together in the spirit of God? Unity is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. And that is such a word for our nation and for ourselves personally. If you're thinking, my neighbor needs to hear that right now, so do you. We all need to hear that, okay? And here's the thing. When it comes to unity, 
When we lose unity, one of the reasons why we lose unity is somewhere in that path towards disunity, we lost our honor. Honor is so key in how we see God and people the right way. And I, I want to preach this this week, but this was kind of like a side freebie, okay? You're welcome. Is that honor is never usually about the person receiving honor, but it's about the person giving honor. Because when I give honor, I'm forced to see the way God sees you. I, I, I need to lift my encouragement. I need to be able to lift my eyes and how I see you and how I pray for you. And so if you feel like you can't honor somebody, if you feel like, ask the Lord, help me to see them the way that you do. And so as a church and as a people of God, we can't lose our honor. Because when you see the scriptures, Jesus rebuked people left and right. But he always honored them when he did it. And we got to be able to, to, to do that same way. You know, <laughs> I, I was listening to a pastor named Tim Keller. And he told this story about 15 years ago. He, he's, he has a church in New York. And I believe it was an election year when this conversation happened. But he told this story where there was a Bosnian in his church. And he was telling pastor Tim Keller, you know, Tim, I don't understand all this disunity when it comes to politics. Because in my country, no matter where you were politically, we had gone through so many wars together, so many times where family has died, friends have died, that literally what bonded us together wasn't our views, but that we have done life and death together. And I thought to myself, how much more should believers in Christ, knowing that we have died with Christ, that now we're alive in Christ? What's beautiful about, <laughs> what's beautiful about the body of Christ is that I could be um, a 34-year-old, you know, birthed in Pleasanton or Danville, whatever it is, and you could be 70 years old, not even from this country, but we could still know the same Jesus and have fellowship and unity. This isn't in my nose, but I'm just telling you, unity is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. And, and, and the, 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 the Psalms tells us how beautiful is it when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. So don't rob yourself of unity. There's a blessing that comes from it. I got to keep going. Okay. So uh, the, the passage continues. Hey, <laughs> because you're unified, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others. You must also have the same attitude that Jesus had himself. Another translation says, uh, I'm sorry, keep, uh, go back. Another translation says is that um, take on the mind that you already have in Christ. And so if you were to take this out of the scriptures, right, just as like a fortune cookie or like a, a moral statement, don't be selfish, right? That makes sense. Like don't look out for your interests. I can do that. That makes all the sense. But if we don't understand why we're doing it, we're going to miss it. And so these upcoming passages, uh, the fancy word is it's uh, great Christology. And this is a fancy way of saying it's a study on Jesus Christ. And as we look at these passages, I want us to know that we don't just want to look at it from information, but we want to understand who Jesus is. Because there's some things that you may know about my wife. She has blonde hair. She has beautiful blue eyes. She's pregnant. But there are some things that only I know about her because I'm her husband. Personal knowledge. And so as we read this about Christ, let it inform our theology, 
but let it also spark your affections for Christ. Because we're not just reading a book, we're reading who Jesus is, okay? And so you must have had the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Continue talking about Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Can we pause for a moment? Can we consider this passage? The God of the universe. Like I was talking, who was I talking to? I, I, I was talking to Larry, um, a good friend of mine, and we were just talking about Jesus and who he is and like what things are like before creation, what things are going to be after this. And I'm like, Larry, <laughs> it's so hard for the finite to explain the infinite. That the, universe, the, the God of the universe who created everything and everything, though he was God, he did not think of equality of God as something to cling to. What does that tell us about our God? It tells us that God, he's a humble God. It tells us that he didn't even, instead he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and, born, and he was born as a human being. Guys, get this picture that the God of the universe, the God who owns everything, the God that everything comes from him, he could have grabbed on to his divine privileges, but he actually let it go. Let that inform how you see, like, let that, let that, how you see Christ, let that hit you. Because the reality is, is that most human beings, we give to get. But God, he's just a giver. He doesn't give to get. He gives because he's simply a giver. Let that sink in. And I, I actually, I, I think about it with, uh, with Lauren and I, where it's almost like we kind of have like this, funny but somewhat serious like you know game where it's like hey um I'll give you a massage tonight and kind of the implication is but you're gonna give me one tomorrow right <laughs> yeah us married but you, you know what I'm talking about right where it's like hey so what if like or or might go like something like hey I'll massage you first and then you can massage me second it's like wait a minute I see what's going on here <laughs> right human beings we, we give to get, but God, he's just a giver. And when we think about Jesus, he, he could have clung on to the privileges of who he is, but he, but, he, but he gave it away. And not just that, but he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Continue this passage. When he appeared in human form... He humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. So get this progression. I know we like to go to practicals, but stay with me right now. Because if we get practical, they'll understand the, the, the spiritual significance of this. We'll try to apply things, but it didn't hit our hearts. The God of the universe who owns everything, who made and who created us, he actually didn't consider it worthwhile to hang on to his privileges, but he let it go. And not just that, but he came down and became like one of us, fully God, but fully man, fully human. And not just that, but he humbled himself in obedience to Christ on a cross, humiliating. And why? So he could die 
as a criminal where we belonged ourselves. You know, when we understand that, it's like, wow, it is so much more than, you know, I shouldn't go in the cookie jar because that's wrong. Oh my gosh. Christ died because I couldn't stop myself from putting my hand in the cookie jar. I couldn't stop sitting against him. I couldn't stop doing the things that he did that where I should have been there myself. And to put into words, here's what mercy is. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. When, when you think about Christ, is that we should have been there on that cross. We should have been the ones that actually received punishment. We should have received the punishment for our sins. But he got the beating. He got the bruising. And he got the judgment that we deserved ourselves. But we didn't get it at all. But on the flip side, here's what, here's what grace is. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. So not only did we did not get what we did deserve, but through his grace, we got what we didn't deserve. Oh, just let that just marinate in your hearts. Is that the God of the universe who, if anything, didn't have to go to the cross, but he chose to. He took it all for us, guys. Everything. It reminds me of a story when... Um, before Lauren and I came to Fountain, we served at a church for seven years in Fairfield. And um, I was in transition between cars. And an amazing couple said, hey, I know you're, I know you're kind of in transition. We have an extra car. Um, do you want it? And I'm like, let me pray about it. Yes, I would love a car. <laughs> it sounds like it's from Jesus. I think I, think I would love a car. Thank you very much. Um, it's funny, my Laura and I, she's the type of person where if you try to bless her, no, no, I don't, I don't want to be a burden. I'm like, oh, you can, woo, you can bless me. I won't say no to that at all. Um, so he said, hey, the only, he's like, the only thing, it's, it's not an automatic, it's a, it's a six shift. And I'm like, okay, uh, I, I got, I got to learn that, okay? He said, hey, I'll teach you, that's great. So he taught me for, gosh, I think a good week, you know. I feel good, I'm comfortable, I'm ready to go, right? And so I pick up the car. And so Lauren, um, we're still dating. We're not married. Were we engaged? It doesn't matter. We're somewhere in there. So she still lives in San Leandro. So I got the car in Vallejo. It's, guys, it's my first drive out. I'm feeling good. I got my car. I'm, ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm a man. I got my six shift right. I'm ready to go. And so I pull off the exit, ready to go. And I have one of those moments. I'm like, oh, gosh, oh, oh, what do I, what do I do? And so it's, it's like that moment right before, like, you twist your ankle. You're like, it's like slow motion. Like, no. I'm like, it was like the, the car. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to hit a car. And so I freaked out. Guys, first day out, first hour I had it, I smashed the front. And I'm like, my goodness gracious, I am a dead man. Like, this is horrible. I pick up Lauren, and she's like, are you okay? I'm not okay. Like, I'm, I'm definitely not okay. And so I'm the type of guy where if something bad happens, I can't wait a day. I can't wait a week. I got, I, I got to do it like then, right? And so I call the couple, and I'm like, hey, I got some news for you, right? I crashed your car. I'm like, I'm like oh, it was painful, guys. It, it was horrible. And they're like, oh, my gosh, like, are you okay? Like, am I Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. But and they're like, no, no, are you okay? No, it's fine. It's fine. And then they're like, hey, 
we feel so bad. I'm like, why do you feel bad? We feel bad that if we had another car, we, we'd give it to you. I'm like, are you, are you on something? <laughs> like, I should be like groveling at your feet. And I'm thinking like, what a beautiful picture of mercy and grace that is. The mercy is that I should have got a whooping. I should have got a slap, a slap, and one more slap, right? But I didn't just get, I didn't just not get that, but I got so much grace in Christ. Where it's like, if I had a car to give you, Chris, I'd give it to you. I wonder if that's how we, I wonder if that's how we relate to God. Where when we do things wrong, when we, when we get into trouble, when we put our hands in the cookie jar, do we relate to God with mercy and grace? Or do we relate to God in condemnation and guilt? Because here's the thing, we can amen and we can raise our hands on Sunday, but the true test is how do we experience God when we, when we get out of here? When we approach Him, when we see Him, how do we approach that? So I want to ask you a question as we go into more of the scriptures, okay? How vivid and how real is, the, is God's grace in your life? How vivid, how close, how are you experiencing God's grace right now? Because if you're like, I'm not sure, look closer at the cross. Look closer at the resurrection. Look closer at what Christ did for you. Because remember, the gospel isn't just the ABCs of Christianity. It's the A to Z. You dive deeper and deeper into who God is in the gospel. And so what I want to do is I want to I, I dive in and I want to give us some handles, okay? What does this look like to actually, you know, walk this out, okay? There's many ways, but I want to land on the humility of Christ. You ever guys seen that shirt where it says, I'm the most humble person on the planet? Kind of an oxymoron, right? And if we can go back to that verse before where it says that when he appeared in human form, Christ humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. You know, if I were to ask you, what is humility? I might get 10 great answers, but I might get 10 different answers at the same time. And I think a lot of times we think of humility in outward qualities, but we don't get to the heart. Sometimes we think of humility as someone who doesn't kind of put themselves out there. Or maybe somebody who kind of, you know, he's really humble because he's more behind the scenes. You know, that might be true, but you might be behind the scenes and think everyone's a joke and wish that you were on the platform, okay? Like, just because you're behind the scenes does not mean you're a humble person, okay? It might mean that you're a closet narcissist and you're having a great time hiding, okay? But a lot of times, did I, did I speak to someone in this room right now? Okay. Everyone's like, was he talking to me? I don't know. God might know. And so just because you're not up front does not mean you don't struggle with pride. And just because you're up front does not mean that you have a pride issue. Humility is about the heart. And so I want to look at Christ to give us an example of what real humility is, okay? So again, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. So what is humility? Christ, he, he what? He humbled himself in obedience. How amazing is it that God of the universe, he humbled himself to his Father in heaven. And so humility isn't this outward sign or this outward thing. What true humility is is that when you surrender your will 
to God's will. Because you can, you could do all the right things. You could do all the things outwardly. But if you know that God's spoken to you and you're not surrendering your will to his will, you're full of pride. And I'm talking to myself right now. Because when God says, this is the way I want you to do it, but you want to do it your way, even the Son of Man said, God, my Father, I'm going to surrender my will to your will. Now, I, I want to give you an example to, to make this more real. You know, a lot of you, a lot of you guys have heard it's my testimony and things that I worked through just in my life. I've had to deal with a lot of fear. I've had to deal with a lot of insecurity. I've had to deal with a lot of rejection. And, you know, a lot of times it's easy. Hey, I'm an introvert. And so, man, like, it's easy for me to keep, keep, keep to myself and kind of not be, you know, center stage. But for me, it wasn't just my introversion, but it was really just anxiety. And it was really just me being, um, just de dealing with insecurity. And so there were times where I go into a room and there was something I really respect and like, gosh, my, my palms would get sweaty. I wouldn't know how to talk, you know. I became stuttering Steve. I mean, it was just, it was bad. And I remember this one time where this was probably, gosh, I want to say maybe eight, ten years ago, somewhere in there, when Laura and I were uh, leading a youth group and we were getting ready to do our own youth retreat, I was speaking there and gosh, I just, I just felt jittery. I was nervous. Oh my gosh, like, I, and I want to say I was nervous because I didn't want to please, because I, I didn't not want to please God. But I was nervous because, gosh, guys, God, like, pretty much my prayer was like, God, I don't want to suck. <laughs> God, let this be somewhat decent, right? God, like, don't let me fall flat on my face. You guys know those prayers, you know, where it's not really honoring God. It's like, God, help me not to be horrible. And so I was, I was in that moment, and I was praying, praying on my heart. I remember the Lord just spoke to me so distinctly. It wasn't audible, but he was speaking in my heart. This is what he said. He said, Chris, you can't prove yourself and pour yourself out for people at the same time. Meaning that we got to make a choice. When you pour yourself out for people, you're doing it because you love me. You want to honor me. You want to see the best for people. But when you're trying to prove yourself, it's really about yourself. It's about your affirmation, your honor. It's about your security. And you've missed that like, gosh, I'm your security. I'm your confidence. I'm your identity. I'm your grace. You can't prove yourself and you can't pour yourself out at the same time. And so I want to I wanna encourage you and I want to challenge you right now in your life right now. When it comes to your relationship with God, are you proving yourself or are you pouring yourself out right now? Because a lot of times when we try to prove ourselves to God, it's never going to be enough. One day I'll read my Bible every day. <laughs> you, ever, you ever said that before? Or, hey, I went eight days. Oh, I missed five more. I'm a whole. You're trying to prove yourself. You don't realize that God, he's, he's poured out everything for you. And remember what I said earlier that, that we give to get, but God's the giver. When you understand the mercy in God and God's grace for your life, you don't give to get, but you give because you've been given. You can pour yourself out because he's your substance. And so maybe it's not with God, but maybe you're trying to prove yourself to people. One day, 
I'll have this in my life. One day I'll have a spouse. One day my spouse will see me this way. One day I'll get that promotion. You're trying to prove yourself. God wants to pour himself out so much in your life where you stop proving or performing, but you give because you've been given in Christ. And that can only happen through an understanding of knowing who Christ is and the gospel. You never grow outside of John 3, 16. You never grow outside of knowing who Jesus is. It's always a journey where you dive deeper and deeper in. And so to kind of bring this first circle, I want to start with the gospel. How close, how vivid is it right now that Christ, His grace, His mercy, He's poured Himself out for you. And how beautiful is it that God doesn't just want to change your decisions. He doesn't just want to change your desires. He wants to change you. And so if you're not a believer today, if you haven't taken that step, it's so easy to say yes to God. Yes to God today. But maybe you are a believer. You're like, gosh, I'm struggling. I feel stuck. He's poured himself out for you completely. Reflect on that. Think about that and consider it in your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your grace and your mercy in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that we would receive from you today. Lord, that what you are speaking and what you are doing, Lord, is more than what we can even ask or imagine. So I pray, Lord, for those outside and for those that are online. Play, gosh, I never knew that Christ did that for me. Or I knew about it, but I never understood the implications that I was dead in my sins, that I was far from God, that I needed Him. If that's you today, the Lord wants to bring you back home. He wants to call you back. So if you've never made that decision to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm just going to ask you just to look up at me right now. And I want to I wanna agree with you in prayer for you making that decision. And if you're online right now, there's a link. Go ahead and click that link so we can best support you for that. Hallelujah. I see that face. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I may not see you, but the Lord sees you. I see that face. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I see that face. Amen. Hallelujah. Maybe you're, maybe you're outside right now. Maybe you're online. Maybe you are a believer. But you've been feeling stuck because you've been giving to get. And you just sense the Lord's calling you back to the gospel Oh, come back to me where you don't have to prove yourself. But I've done that for you. You can pour yourself out because I've given myself completely. I want to pray for you right now. Father, I just, I pray, God, for everyone online and in person. Lord, I pray for their hearts, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would take, God, where areas that have been kind of rigid, that have been rough, God, that have just been um, apathetic, Lord. God, bring softness again, God. Lord, your word says that, God, your kindness brings repentance. So, God, shift their thinking. Shift their hearts, God. Lord, help us to remember, Lord, that your sacrifice, God, was not in vain. Now, Lord, your, your sacrifice, what you did 2,000 years ago, is just as new as it was back then. So, God, we receive, God, your mercy and your grace afresh today, God. Lord, do what only you can do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Come on, church. Can we give God glory right now? Hallelujah.
Amen. Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.